For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's going on, No Bad Dog Army? Welcome back to the award-winning, top-charting No Bad Dogs podcast with your host, Tom Davis. Thank you guys so much. Happy Monday. Happy Valentine's Day. Uh, Valentine's Day is always fun, isn't it? Uh, Today, we have an awesome podcast on a topic that you guys ask for all the time both in video and audio format here on the podcast. So this podcast is about resource guarding. What is it? Where does it come from? What you, what you should do, what you shouldn't do, how to be safe, and how to sustainably work on resource guarding. Now, just uh, so everyone knows, when we're talking about resource guarding, obviously there's a huge potential risk of um, failure as far as being safe. So I encourage anybody out there that's really dealing with resource guarding to reach out to a professional trainer that is skilled and or experienced in resource guarding uh, and potential aggression because obviously resource guarding can be very dangerous for those of you who don't really know what they're doing. But this podcast is going to be great because it'll give you all the filling information. So it'll basically give you the blueprint and then hopefully you guys can reach out to a skilled experienced dog trainer to help you through it and implement these things safely. I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. If you haven't joined the official No Bad Dog Members Club, make sure you guys click the link below. It is an awesome subscription-based club. If you like my YouTube channel, you will love the Members Club. It's the full-length videos uh, instead of the 15, 20-minute videos. All the -the behind-the-scenes, uncut stuff. Go over and check it out. Link it in the description. Enjoy the podcast, everybody. Don't forget, at the end of the podcast, I always answer your dog training questions that you guys leave in the review column on iTunes. If you want me to answer your specific dog training question right here on the podcast, go over to iTunes, leave your review, and within the review, you can leave your questions. So make sure you listen to the end so you can hear your questions or just extra dog training information. Enjoy, guys. I'll talk to you guys uh, at the end. I've had my puppy Callie for about the past year and a half or something, and um, good dog, as anyone would probably say. Um, We've taken her to puppy training. I do training with her all the time, but she's now starting to be possessive um, and growling um, over toys, Um, not all the time if you're playing with her, but like if she takes it off and goes and lays somewhere, then she'll behave like that um or it was high value treats but now it's like sometimes her dog food so that would be i guess issue number one do you want me to just list them or yeah start with first i just okay. want to i want to know you said callie yes so how how old is callie and, and what is her breed um she's a golden doodle and she's uh like a year and five months something like that okay so about a year and a half golden doodle 
and she is starting to show signs of resource guarding and possession over a lot more things than you would like. It would only be when it would be with wet food, so we would have to give her that because she was actually sick a lot as a puppy, so we'd have to give her um, wet food to take her pills because she wouldn't take them, and it started with that, and since it was a rare occasion that she would get that... Um, what would she we'd do? Never really... um, well, if you would walk up to her, she would put her head into the bowl. Mm -hmm. If you would go to pick up the bowl, if she was still standing there for whatever reason, she would like snarl at you. Um, so we had um, gone to another dog trainer and they had said to like kind of call her away. So mm -hmm. um, we do that. But one time I was sitting on the floor with her with a toy instead of her um, food and we were just playing together and then um i literally just went to go take her leash off of her because she had still had that on because we were like leaving the leash on her in the house so we could kind of grab her and correct her if we needed to um and she like lunged at me because she was um with whatever she was doing like biting her paws or whatever she was guarding and so like it freaked me out <laughs> okay did she actually bite you she did not but she was very close like mouth was open like not like full open, but enough that I like backed up like a snarl lunge. Mm -hmm. It just happened really fast. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. Did you have a list of other things? Um, so the other thing is going to be, well, I guess it's two things, selective listening. So she's very smart. Um, listen to pretty much any command, knows any command, whatever. And the issue is she's like, oh, chooses not to do it. And we don't really know how to... I guess, correct that? Or like, I mean, if we say sit and for whatever reason she mm -hmm. doesn't happen to sit, if she has her leash on, you know, we correct her with that sit. But if she's, you know, across the room and we say come and she's like, oh, no, I'm not going to come right now. Like, we don't really know what the corrective measure would be type mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. okay. um, and then really the last thing would be barking. So she... It's always kind of been a little bit afraid of people um and so she now just kind of barks whenever she sees people or hears people talk and she can't see them or like little noises or whatever that we may not even hear um and that is not as bad but it's still kind of an issue especially if you're walking and somebody just rounds a corner and she like mm -hmm. did not expect that <laughs> mm -hmm. okay so like alert barking or like stranger danger barking if you yes. Will. Okay. All right. Okay. So let's talk about, I mean, obviously the most, the, so the selective listening thing is, is pretty easy and, and normal. Um, so like you said, there's, you know, dogs will be a very opportunistic. So they will, they will take advantage over certain circumstances if they can, if it's, especially if it's beneficial to them. So if you're, you need that reinforcement usually, you know, like, so you could do recall if you have food in your hand or maybe if you have the leash in your hand. And that's what I would recommend is, okay, so oftentimes when we do recall, it's attached to a leash. Typically, we let the dog off leash 15, 30 feet. We say, Callie, come. Callie ignores us. We pop the collar. We pop the leash, whatever that is. She goes, oh, sorry, talking to me. And then she comes running to you, hopefully. So... If you feel like she knows the behavior well, like recall or sit, like you said that she does, and I'll leave that up to you, then 
the next thing to really start working on is closing that gap and using like better reinforcements for those situations. So if you're working on off-leash recall, my opinion in the beginning is using off-leash tools. But if you're not comfortable or you don't have the means to do that, then you would just start using like a long line to help reinforce your behaviors that you're asking off-leash. Because that's, to be honest, especially with a year and a half-year-old dog, if they know the behavior and they're not doing it, there's just the best chance realistically in that scenario, in that equation, is because there's no punishment or reinforcement for not doing it. Okay. I think you kind of, yeah, you you probably already know that, that like if she's on the other side of the room doing something cool or whatever, she's interested in something, and you're like, hey, Callie, come. She's like, make me. (laughs) And then you're like, well, I can't. And that's where that, so the reinforcement would be like, you know, a cop sitting at a a, a turnaround thing when the speed limit's 65 and you're going 85. Like they're going to reinforce the speed limit. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, we do use the the e collar. We do a lot of off leash stuff. She's really good about um, oh, okay. when she has that on. But my question, I guess, is should she have that on all the time? And if she does, then is she just going to learn? Oh, then when I have this on, I have to listen. Right. When I don't. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. So that's called collar awareness. And the answer is yes. You want to keep the e collar on for um, for a while because you're she's still young enough. And obviously she's still taking advantage of her certain situations. Like she's, so the e-collar again is that reinforcement uh, off leash and it gives you that ability, which you've already been dabbling in, it sounds like, which is great. But it's a reinforcement behind your verbal. So just like when we do positive reinforcement, we don't want the dog to only listen to the treat or the piece of food. We want them to sit when we say sit. We want them to down when we say down. We want them to place when we say place, et cetera, so on and so forth. So with that being said, it's the same thing when you're using any type of punishment system is the punishment is a reinforcer, just like food is a reinforcer. Uh, what, what you're doing is you're, you're trying to use it with your voice as often as you can, so you have to practice it. So if you come inside, you take the e-collar off, you say, Callie, come. She looks at you. She doesn't come. You walk away or you just say it again. She, she then knows that in the house she doesn't have to listen because there's no reinforcement because you're taking the e-collar off at the door. So, so I would definitely <laughs> definitely leave the e-collar on more often. Okay. That's that is that is your ability to reinforce behaviors. So if you're working on behaviors inside in the backyard and you're struggling with these reinforcements especially cuz she knows it, which means she's deliberately blowing you off and flipping you the finger, <laughs> you definitely want to keep that e-collar on to be able to reinforce things especially if you're reinforcing things off leash outside. Because all you're teaching her is she she only has to listen outside because you actually reinforce it off leash. But if you're not reinforcing it inside, then that's a problem. That makes sense. I just didn't know like if there was like a maxed amount of time or whatever that they could wear that for the day, like just reading the instructions or whatever. There is. Okay. Yeah, there is. But I'm just saying in the morning when you wake up, pop the e-collar on and start using it throughout the house. Okay. You know, so yeah, you don't want to leave the e-collar on literally like it depends. Okay. When I say these things generally, like I'm not talking, I'm just talking generally like pet obedience when you're just working on off leash stuff, but you got to remember that the e-collar is a reinforcing tool behind your verbal. It's, it's second to your voice. So in the morning you can pop the e-collar on 
and start using it in the house. You can you can wear it in the house for four hours and then take it off and then go outside for another hour and you're going to be fine. But but my point is is if your if your dog knows these behaviors and your dog is conditioned on the e collar, you've already done all the hard work. You know you, you that, that's that everything's done. I mean the hard work is done. She knows the behaviors. You've introduced the e collar. You've conditioned it. She understands the low levels. And now you're just not using that reinforcement inside. And that's why she's being opportunistic about when and where she listens is because you're not, you don't have the ability to reinforce it. So if you're only putting it on and loading her into the car or going down to the trail, she's just going to know, like, I have to listen off leash outside. I, I don't really have to listen inside because there's no reinforcement. That makes sense. Yeah. So I'm not saying like, because the way that I'm trying, the way that I'm visually painting this picture is you're only putting that e-collar on when you're going for a trail walk or going off leash wherever you live, whatever you do, the beach, the trail, the mountains, whatever, okay? Sure. And then you come home and you're like, oh, long day outside. Let's take this off and go inside. But what about all the other days that you're not out in the trail or all the other hours and times and minutes that you're just hanging around the house? And you're and that that's kind of like your your stepping stool of like, okay, we need to tune this up a little bit. And then you could take it back off. But again sometimes dogs will condition on environmentals and just as much as they'll condition on your voice, which means they will only listen off leash outside because that's the only time you've reinforced things. So it's, it's not really necessarily the tool. It's because you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we have been using it for barking too. Should we not continue using that as a, is it working? Um, yeah, and she starts to bark like we had movers coming the other day. Um, and so my girlfriend put the collar on and she did not bark after that. <laughs> mm. Sorry, I'm just drinking water. So uh, you mean like you put it on and didn't use it? She just listened better or you used it and it worked? Nope. She The collar got put on her and she did not <laughs> make it sound. Yeah. So... That kind of that kind of ties into your other question about the dog becoming collar aware. So oftentimes when dogs become collar aware, it's because you're influencing. How do I explain this? It's hard. Um, so let me give you an example. Is sometimes people change the way they train when the equipment is on. So I've even noticed that some handlers will change how serious they take training when they start having reinforcements versus when they don't. A great example of that is when somebody has like an e-collar on and they're working on obedience and they they say, I don't know, it's just weird. So your voice inflection matters. So how you say stuff and how you consistently you are. So when you say sit, it's like you want the behavior and your voice to be Callie, come, Callie, sit, Callie, down. Like it needs to be so upfront and smacking you in the face like, boom, right there. Like, hey, Callie, do this. And then the e-collar is just a reinforcer behind that. And sometimes what people do is they'll just say, Callie, come, and then use the e-collar. And they're, they're not really, like, telling the dog to do stuff. They're asking the dog to do stuff. And then their e-collar is doing all the work. So then what happens is is the dog will say, like, oh, well, when this is on, I have to listen. So it's, So I guess my point is, is, the behavior isn't being accomplished predicated off of your voice. The behavior is only being reinforced and accomplished by the e-collar or whatever equipment you're using. So sometimes people just will like f really lean on the equipment. And that's why the dog listens only when the equipment's on. They condition to it. So 
the dog will literally call out your flaws by I only listen when the e-collar is on or when the prong collar, the slip collar, or the martingale, or the harness, or whatever you're using is on. I don't listen to you, which means, and that tells me as a handler that the way that you've trained the behaviors you're asking has been really influenced by the reinforcement or by punishment and the behaviors outside of that isolated and compartmentalized is not actually there. So the dog, so for positive reinforcement circumstances, it would be the dog is only sitting because there's food in your hand, which is a problem. Same thing with punishment. The dog is only listening off leash when the e-collar's on. That just tells me that you just maybe haven't done a good enough job at associating what the what these behaviors mean outside of using these reinforcements, both positive reinforcement and positive punishment. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I mean, so I would get back. So what do you do? You get back to the basics. You get the long line on, you get the e-collar on, you get whatever motivation that you have. I call it external motivation, which would be adding something to the equation like um, uh, treats or a toy or whatever. And you just go back and you fine tune. Callie, come e-collar five. What what e-collar do you have? Um, honestly, I don't even know. It's not like one of the dog trail ones, which is what I want to get eventually. Okay. Um, yeah, the only reason why I'm asking is because the way that you can do, I mean, if you feel good about the e-collar and your dog listens, because that's the other thing too. So if the e-collar you have only has corrective levels, that also is the reason why your dog is only listening to the e-collar because it only, so like if you have a cheaper unit and your, your level one is corrective for the dog, then, then if you and you're reinforcing it as a correction at a level one or above, then that's the other reason is because you're, you're telling the dog like when this goes on you're getting punished, which some dogs don't care. It just actually makes the dog more opportunistic and makes it more, like very binary of you are not actually controlling me. The e collar is because there's not any subtlety to it. It's just an e. It's just like a that would be the difference between like a shot collar and an e collar, if there was one, you know, like figuratively speaking does that make sense yeah so you're saying like the the cheaper ones are like more yeah they're more punishing so like for an example my e-collar that i did with dog chair has 127 levels and humans usually don't feel it on their face till about six people don't feel it on their wrists from 14 to 22 and we train a dog on a four so if you get a cheaper collar, typically they'll have like one through 10 or sometimes one through 20. And the one on the cheaper units is like the 15 on my unit, which is going to be three times more corrective than the conditioning levels that we're using. So if you're doing the same type of training that I talk about in my videos or my podcasts, and you're influencing basic behaviors in association with those corrective levels, the dog will say because you're only you're using it only as like an aversive right you're not really communicating you're just saying come correction so then you're highlighting that this piece of equipment solely means that you're going to get punished and which isn't it's not a terrible thing although there's some bad habits and if you work with a very sensitive dog that would be my only concern Um, it doesn't sound like you're having those issues you're it sounds like your, your dog's just being opportunistic to say when this correction collar isn't on, I'm not going to listen because you've, you've, you've introduced it in a very corrective way, which again, if you don't have a sensitive dog, 
it's more of this type of problem. The dog becomes so, because when you're doing it at low levels, it's an association with your voice very, very low. So the dog's just, it's not, it's not this smack in the face. It's not this like boom, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're doing it on low levels, like with my collar, the dog barely registers it. They barely feel it. And it's just a more subtle thing. But if you're using a cheaper unit and it's an immediate like spike in a correction and the dog feels it like hardcore, then they're going to be more likely to say, okay, when this, this thing is on now, because it's very abrupt, it's like right there. If I were to get the dog throw one, because like I said, I've considered it yeah. before, is it possible to go Yes. Yeah, because it doesn't sound like you're having any problems. So sometimes when you introduce the e-collar with like those cheaper units and the low level is... It has 99 levels. Yeah, so maybe not. So here's the test. Here's the test you can do. You take the e-collar, you put it on your wrist, and you find out what levels that you feel it. Oh, I tested it. What... I do not hear anything. I don't test first. <laughs> what, do you, what do you feel it at? Do you remember? Um, I can feel it at a one. Yeah, so... Yeah, if you can feel it at a one, then that's high because if you, and I'm saying this from experience because I can put the dog chair on my wrist and I usually don't feel it till about a 14 to 20. Okay. So if you're taking an e-collar and you're putting it on your wrist, which is usually pretty, like it's a good, it's a good, it's not, it's not like your hand where your hand is like very calloused over time as an adult. If you put it on your wrist, it's not like super sensitive like your face, but it's not like your hand. And, and I turn it up. And I've done multiple videos on this, but I think the lowest anybody's ever felt it was like a 14. And then the highest, I think we had somebody in England that did like a 22 or something like that. Anyway, so um, yeah, so if if you're feeling it at your one, then your levels are just going to have a way higher output. So I don't want to like, I'm just saying the way that I, the way that I train is I like to very subtly introduce the remote collar as as an as basically an association with my voice and they're just picking it up it's kind of like somebody tapping you on the shoulder and if you're one you can feel on your wrist that's about where i feel my 14 to 15 ish on my level so i'm just giving you preference i mean i'm just i'm i never tell people you know go out and buy my i don't care what, what you have i just i'm just saying like this is typically like what happens is the dog because it's so it's so like, um, it's there, right? It's very powerful. So when you put it on, they know it. And like with my collar, because it's so subtle or any other dog jerk collar or any other like really high end e-collar in general, it's so subtle that it's not as, holy crap, this thing's on again. Do you know what I'm saying? So that's why dogs will become collar aware is those two reasons is the behaviors you're asking aren't good enough to be reinforced with the e-collar. And once it's on, because you're, you're using it as a, as a correction with a kind of like a cheaper model. And then that's where the dog will just highlight like, okay, when this is on, I have to listen. Cause I'm going to get in trouble. Okay. Where essentially when you, when you, if you introduced it with like my unit with Dogtra, the Dogtra unit, you would use those higher levels as a correction if the dog wasn't listening off leash, but only when they weren't listening off leash. And what I'm, what I think is happening with you, I'm not sure, is your dog isn't getting those opportunities of subtlety. They're just, it's going straight to a correction. That's why it's so like, it's loud. You know, it's like, oh, this is on. This is definitely on. Okay. That's all. So, so I mean, yeah, if you want to, if you want to go back, basically you would just go back and, and get a different unit and just start introducing it at like a, like again, you on a, on a, 
on a dog trail, you would turn it up to like a five or a six. And if you turned yours up to a five or a six, I'm sure it would be pretty corrective for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So because every e-collar has out like different output voltages and different output, shouldn't say voltages. It's really not voltages. It's more like a, an output. Um, I don't know how to explain it. Uh, anyway, it's, a, it's just a, it's just a, it's a stimulation type thing. So some, some e-collars will have a higher stimulation. Some of them are medium to high. Most of them are low to, I think, high. So by using something like the Dogtra, I could mm-hmm. basically go back and help hopefully reduce her collar awareness so that she would like learn to associate being more stern with my voice and using the car as like a backup to where, yeah. to the point where I don't need the collar because she's not associated as a pain. Yeah. And she, and it's not so like the e-collar that you're using right now is in front of your voice because of how intense it is. Okay. Do you know what I'm saying? So you're saying come and there she's like, eh, and then the collar turns on and she's, so she's responding more to the collar than she is your voice. I think I'm not, I, I, you know, hard telling, right. not knowing, but I think so. Y- the answer is yes. If you go back through with the lower level, lower output unit, like my dog gratuity, see the no bad dogs unit, you'll be able to kind of have the dog re- respond more to your voice than using that higher level of correction. What unit is it? The no, um... Yeah. So Dogtra makes the Tom Davis. That's my name, the 280C. So it's, um, it, it, it basically comes with a bungee strap. It comes with a couple different features that Dogtra doesn't offer on any other remote collar. It comes with a boost feature, which is nice. Um, for once your dog is conditioned, you can just hit a button and it automatically goes to a boosted number to give your dog like that really quick correction if you need to, just in case of an emergency. Um, and, and other people like it for other reasons. I mean, so many people use it for uh, competitive healing and law enforcement and whatever. They may need it for different reasons, but it's kind of like your oh crap button once your dog is conditioned. And it also has like a couple different um, continuous features, but it's it's kind of, yeah, we it's a cool collar. Right. But anyway, that I mean, that's obviously, so the reason why I have that collar with dog is because I talk about e-collars so freaking much and I have for a very long time and I talk to a lot of people about it. And so they're like, why don't you just create your own with us? And I'm like, perfect. So I kind of designed that collar not to make any financial gain from it because that's not it. It's, it's, it's because I talk about it so much and I've had this conversation a thousand times and I'm like, so instead of telling you like what collars I would might want to get, I'm telling you like I designed this collar with dog and that's what I would get. Yeah, no, I appreciate the recommendation. I um, mm-hmm. I'll definitely probably look at getting that one here in the near future. Yeah, you get it on Amazon too, so it's pretty easy to get. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, to help correct this behavior and hopefully even starting from the beginning, if it's. A- something we must do. <laughs> yeah, I think it would just be helpful to have more subtlety in your training. And so the e-collar is more of like a a, a, a second, a, like, you know, in the passenger seat, instead of like, bam, right there, you want your voice to be Cali, come. And then you can use your e-collar to kind of, you know, toggle between what, what you need to do. So anyway, does that make sense? Yeah, no, um, okay. that definitely makes sense. And okay. I, I'll look at trying to reduce the collar awareness (laughs) yeah so you just have to you just have to go out and almost like recondition it on your on your own and just really highlight your commands instead of like using the e-collar i'll focus on that yeah just like reinforcing it and like i said if if your e-collar has a corrective level 
um, and, and your one is corrective and that's what you're using. It's like, it doesn't all, it doesn't give your dog an opportunity to really like figure things out. They're just like, ah, crap. Okay. I'm coming. And then if that's how they see it, then yeah, they're going to be more aware that that sucker's on. And you could do the same, like people do the same thing with my, okay. So some people can, like you could do the same thing with my unit if you just use the wrong number. So it's not, I'm not like, I'm just saying like, if you're, if your e-collar doesn't have the ability to go low to condition and have the dog just like slightly understand what you're doing, it's going to be, you know, it, it's going to be a little bit more stressful for your dog and it's going to make the dog more collar aware because of that. Well, that makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Cool. So let's move on to the resource guarding. Um, so the resource guarding, this is something that you have to just be very careful about. It's kind of hard to digest and walk through, um, you know, and let, even, even if you were in front of me, I would have to just like show you what I would do. Obviously she is serious about this. Um, and you, and you gotta be careful. I mean, I think that that's like the number one thing you have to be mindful of is, you know, you don't want to get bit. So, what I would do is right now, so there's going to be two different kind of paths. And I, and I think it's just the way my brain works is there's going to be two different type of paths. There's going to be like, you're going to put the food down under your circumstances and you know that this could be a potential trigger. And then the other path may be, this is going to be a situation where she found a stick or, you know, a sock or whatever she thought was like valuable and now you're struggling to get it away. Or maybe you have friends and family over and now she's growling at them because you didn't even know that this apple was under the bed or whatever the heck it is. So I think that there's going to be things that you're going to be able to control. And then there's things that she might just get randomly that you might have problems with. In the beginning, just to peel off some really easy layers is I would remove all objects that she can possess that you know about. Toys, bones, all that stuff needs to come up until further notice. Because, and I understand it's like, oh, but she likes her toys. She does, but she's also potentially going to bite you in your face if you go near them when she has them. So the ROI on that is not very good. So you're going to remove all those things because she has a hard time with being successful with them. Okay. So I would just pull those up. Um, the other thing is, uh, talk me through, like, is this something that happens on the daily or is this something that, you know, if you put her food down and you walked up to her and got close, she would get upset. You just, you just know that that would happen. Um, so usually it's really weird. So when we got her, she wouldn't eat. So I actually had to hand feed her because she wouldn't eat out of the bowl. So she grew up being hand fed and Mm -hmm. then we let her eat out of the bowl because she finally would eat out of the bowl. So I didn't have to do that anymore. And then the dog trainers told us to let hand feed her again, because it helps with um, training and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I did that again and she's actually doesn't really like to eat. So it was very hard to hand feed her because sometimes she goes like one or two days without eating. Um, she's just mm-hmm. always been like that. And so um, then like, basically i put it back in the bowl and now when you walk up to her you can put your hand down there and she'll slightly lean over it if it's just her dry food but if it's her wet food she's definitely going to growl at you and apparently as of the other day she'll growl with dry food too so it's not every time but it's just randomly with dry food i guess and always with wet food (laughs) okay so you know that if you put wet food down and you walked up to her she would growl 
and get protective. <laughs> yes. Or put her head over it. Yes. She'd okay. either growl or just put her head over it. Okay. Yep. And that's just what animals do to be protective over what they want. That's like, if you look at any, any animal, well, I shouldn't say that, but most animals like big, you know, big cats, uh, wolves, coyotes, they put their head over what they want. They're like, Hey, I'm telling you, this is mine and not yours. So again, you have to be careful. That's the name of the game, um, is safety. So, uh, just be careful because dogs who she may be sweet and she may be cute and you may have had her since she was a, a little puppy, but she could severely hurt you and you know, do damage. So just be careful. Uh, so, <clears throat> okay. So there's two different th- there. I always talk about these two paths cause it kind of splits. There's always like kind of an easy way and then a harder way, I think. in, in most of situations just in life in general, but the first way is, <clears throat> is yes, I would be working on what your other trainer said with countering with obedience. So if she gets like that, you would counter her. But the problem is, is you can, <sighs> she's probably not going to recall off of something that she is, excuse me, protecting with, with aggression, right? If she's so protective over this to a point where she'll bite her owner, she's probably not going to come away from it easily. Pretty good about that. Surprisingly, if she's eating wet food or whatever, and you say Callie come, she will come. Or if she has a toy, she will come, but she will bring the toy she's possessing to you yeah. and want you to play with it with her. So, yeah. it's very good. <laughs> so, okay, good. If that works, then I would just use that because that makes life easier. I would just re- like, once she gets to that point, I would just recall her off. But I, I, you know, I have a certain amount of respect for dogs and their food, regardless of, you know, how well they're trained and whatever. I mean, they're animals and you always have to be respectful and conscious and mindful that they are animals and it is their food and you don't want to like play around with getting into their space while they're eating it's just like a respect thing you just don't want to do that however because of her lack of respect for you about this and she's like I'll bite you if you come near me or she's rattling you know her rattler if she was a snake she's telling you like hey don't come near me Um, if you can recall her off and put her in a sit stay and then remove the food, then I would do that. That's a, that's an easy thing to do. And there you go. Boom, bing, bang, boom. The other thing is, is obviously if, she, if it's a toy, you would be working on your out. So that's something that you should be working on individually outside of the recall. So when she does bring something to you, you can work on drop or you can work on leave it. Okay. Because you have to be able to like, as she's coming back with you with the toy in her mouth, and she might get aggressive with you when she brings it back. Your job is to say out on the way to you, or when she gets to you, you just out her when she gets there. And then the toy is is yours and you can put it away. But again, like the toy thing, I would just remove them in general. Because you you're, you're put you're you're make you're setting her up for failure by giving her a potential risk of guarding that thing and, and potentially biting somebody. So no, like fetch or anything like that, or playing with toys. Wow. Fetch is different. I'm just saying, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, um, <clears throat> I would make her work for everything with you. Okay. So if you're playing tug with a tug toy, that's fine, or or from what I understand, it's it's okay so far. It's just so possession, historically in my experience, has been when a dog gets something and kind of walks away or or, or like hoards it. But yes. usually if it's an interactive thing, it doesn't typically happen. So if you're playing fetch it or 
chuck it with a you're playing fetch with a chuck it uh or you're playing tug with a tug toy or something like that it typically doesn't escalate into these things it's when they take it and they walk away with it and they say okay this is mine and it's it's just like sometimes it's like this hereditary genetic things where it's like it doesn't make any sense but some dogs just get this wild wild hair and who knows why it's happening but it happens so if you're playing tug and you're playing fetch and things like that like that's something that you would structure out right you'd go outside with the chuck it and you would you know do chuck it or whatever and you could do that for sure will that not cause her to be i guess more possessive if i am telling her like drop the toy and then she sees me take it away or she sees me take the food away well you would be you well like i said is you would be taking away all those you'd be taking away all those stuffed toys anyway so all like the chewy toys and things like that would be going away anyway because she's not responsible with them and you're gonna and it's just giving her an opportunity to fail so those things would be out anyway. Indefinitely? Be- just in Well, for, for a little bit until you can get things under control because I think that this is a control game. I think your obedience and your relationship with her ultimately is what's going to change the perspective of this. So the more control you have and the more... Because a lot of dogs will control things and possess things because they think you're actually going to take it. So some people, some people actually create resource guarding by constantly taking things away from them and making them do something. So they, they take some, so for an example, a dog brings you, dog brings you a ball back and you take it and you say, sit and you say down and you say, stay, and then you throw it. They're going to be less likely to give the ball back to you because you're always making them work for it. So you frustrate the hell out of them and they just don't ever want to bring anything back to you because you take it. Yeah. So it becomes this, it becomes this cat and mouse game. And so sometimes possession happens because of that. So I don't want to say indefinitely, but right now you leaving all of these toys around your house or or like leaving little bombs around your house, especially if you're going to have people over and things like that. I mean, if you and your girlfriend are like pretty conscious and mindful of it, but again, like why put you, why would you guys put yourself in that situation just to, just so she can chew on something while she's bored? I just don't think that that's, that's the the juice isn't worth the squeeze there. Okay. You know what I mean? Until you can figure these things out and she gets better at it. Um, which is which is the which is the other side to this of this modification. So completely modifying the the reason why she's doing this, like completely changing her perspective of this, which is going to take a lot more time. <clears throat> so anyway, so yeah, I mean, as far as playing chuck it and fetch, you're not going to be taking those things away. You're going to be throwing with her until she's tired, and then when you take it away, she's not going to care as much. But you're not going to be having all these stuffed toys laying around anymore because it's it's. I always tell people like, if you can be proactive and escape a potential conflict with your dog or an aggressive situation with your dog, why would you not do it? Right. You know, it's like oh, but they love that toy. I'm like, okay, well, do you love getting bit? Because that's what you're weighing right now. You know what I'm saying? No, I don't so, mind taking them away. <laughs> okay, cool. So I take them away, and then if you wanted to start working on them what you can do and again it's like there's there's a couple different i think flavors of resource guarding if it's over food it it tends to be more intense because i think it just layers in with the dog like this is my meal and if you take it i might die and it just it just becomes more intense obviously that's not the case with your dog but i just find that dogs who are resource guarding over food can be more intense and more be like more committed to what they want to do about the aggression so if you're doing it with food, here's what I would do is, uh, so I've done this a couple different times and I've gotten it like an X pen. So like, a, it's kind of like a baby gate that's got, um, it's got panels on it. Right. 
So it's got panels uh, on the baby gate. And uh, essentially what I do is I, I put I put the food on one side. Okay, so she goes into the – do you understand what I'm talking about by, by an X-Pen? Yeah, I actually have one. It has like eight panels and Perfect. you build it together. Yeah. Okay, so you're going to put that against a wall and create a half circle. Okay. You're gonna put her on a leash. Do you have what? What kind of leash do you use with her when when you're training? A uh, prong collar usually. Do you have a Do you have a slip leash or a slip collar at all? I do. It always slides down on her. Like it never stays behind her ears where it's supposed to go. Yeah, and that's okay. That's not as that's not as in. Uh, it is important, but that's gonna happen more when you're out and you're walking with her than if she's stationary like behind this gate. So if you want, I guess my point is, is I'd be careful. I would start off with a slip and then you can move to the prong. Okay. Just because sometimes with when you use a prong collar on a dog that's resource guarding, sometimes they can kind of fire them up more. So just be mindful of that. So you're going to put her in the X-Pen on the half circle, starting off with a slip leash. You're going to get the bowl of food, the wet food that she resource guards, and you're going to start working on this aggression. So you're going to start correcting her actually for growling and having this resource of you. And you have to, this is where you have to, this is why it's hard for me to, to talk about this on the phone because it's like you have to be very conscious and mindful and fair and have empathy towards what you're doing. Because it's a kind of, I don't want to say it's teasing because it's not. It You should be able as the dog owner to put down a bowl of high reward food and your dog not try to bite you. So when you're doing this, you're going to put her into a sit stay. You're on the other side of the x-pen with the with the bowl in your hand she's on the inside of the x-pen with nothing except the leash on her so your hand is going to go over the x-pen so you can correct her if she growls okay so just pop the leash or whatever yeah so again you're going to be working on obedience first so you're going to put her into a sit she's going to put her butt on the ground when you put the bowl down and i don't know how much obedience you've done with her and how good it is i'm just walking you through a very generic bland process you put her into a sit you put the bowl down if she gets up out of her sit you're immediately correcting her because she's not supposed to get up until you release her on her break okay okay so that will help in the beginning because she because sometimes if dogs are just used to like the bowl hits the ground and it's theirs that also attributes to the resource guarding because there's no gatekeeping at all she sees something she it's hers and if you go and try to take it she's going to try to fight you and you need to gatekeep that and like, no, this is actually all of mine all the time until I release you to it. Then you can have it. That makes sense. So no more putting our hands in food bowls to see like and make sure she doesn't bite or, you know, whatever people say. Yeah, no, I wouldn't do that um, considering she's like getting really close to biting you. I would just start working. I would start working on your impulse. I would think about it like um, think about it like a, little, a really bratty kid that throws a tantrum and tries to beat up their parents because they want something so what you're doing is is you're 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 using the fence to stay safe so you don't have to use a muzzle because a muzzle is not going to be realistic because she's going to eat this food after so you're using the x-pen to stay safe and keep you calm so that if she does get aggressive or lunge you're good and you're using the the, the correction of the slip leash to correct her when she does growl because up until this point she's probably never been corrected or never been punished for growling and when i say She's never been punished. I mean, effectively. So I don't care how many times you've looked at her and you told her she was a bad girl and you shook her hand at her. I'm talking about effective corrections that she cares about. That's actually going to hold something. It's going to back it. So, and the slip may not be that because it's so intense and then you can work up to other things. But what you're going to do is you're going to put the bowl down, 
put her into a sit. If she gets up, you're immediately going to say, nope. And you're not going to let her do anything until you, until you break her. And then what I do typically is you'll start off probably with the kibble, actually. It would make more sense. So what you would do is you would... Um, the goal here is to integrate impulse control. So by the end of this, I want you to be able to put the wet food down three feet from her in a sit-stay, her sit there and look at you, and you say break, and then she can have it. And you're going to be... with that. <laughs> say it again. She's good with that. Like she always gets put in place to stay before she gets fed and she doesn't get up until she's told to get up. <laughs> okay, good. So you're going to be doing all of this the same way that you've been doing it, except you're going to start correcting her when she starts to, if she starts to get weird. So th that's the in between. So what I was just talking about 45 seconds ago, when I was just talking about 10 seconds ago, there's all of that in between of you getting to that point of no right. growling no no like protecting the food so if you want to start off if you feel like all the obedience is good with the dry food then start off with the wet food put the wet food down move it around basically create impulse control move it far away from her move it closer to her good sit good stay whatever however you want to mark that and then you would release it to her now when you're doing this you want to give her say she gets i'm just just to make it easy say she gets a pound of food pound of wet food you're gonna you're not gonna give her the whole pound at once because you're gonna limit your amount of time you can work on this Right. Okay. So what you're going to do is you're going to say whatever you want to cut the pound up into, you know, and, I'm, and again, I'm just making it easy. Mm -hmm. And, and what you're going to do is, so again, I want you to think, use your imagination with me here. So you have the X pen, she's on one side, you're on the other side. Okay. You can lift that X pen up. Like you can lift one of the things up and the whole thing will rise and you can push the, the wet food under the X pen and she can start eating it. Now, what I would do is you can you can get creative too to start freezing some of this stuff, or you can take peanut butter and smear it on the bottom so she has to work. She has to really work for it, because if you're using wet food, she may gobble it up in three seconds, and you can't really do this. But what I want you to start doing is continue to recall her off of the food. If you okay. and she's doing good at that, right? You already said she's doing good at that, and I want you to just I want you to get comfortable with this situation. Then what you're going to work on the next step is going to be a leave it command, which is where it gets interesting. This is where the bread and butter, if you will, takes place. Have you worked on leave it ever? Uh, yeah, she's pretty good with it, but she's good when you say it. So she'll leave it. And then like maybe 30 seconds later, she's like, Oh, you probably won't remember that. Right. <laughs> so, so, leave it, so then she'll go back. <laughs> that's where this whole exercise comes in. Okay. So we're going to do this again. So just to play it safe and play it, play it uh, easy is if, if you, is she allergic to peanut butter? Does she like peanut butter? She likes peanut butter. Okay. Yeah. So you're going to take that peanut butter. You're going to smear it on the bottom of that, that dish. It's like a tin dish, right? Smear it on the bottom. She's going to be working on that for a couple. You're basically smearing it really light. So she's not getting a ton of peanut butter. So you're going to be working on the recall with the dry food or the wet food. If you feel like, okay, that's good. Okay, good. Now we're going to isolate a leave it over the food, which means I want her to actively be licking this peanut butter, which will then transfer to the wet food or any other thing for that matter. And which I think the peanut butter will be on as far as like high value will be up there. It'll definitely be up there in high value. So she's licking the peanut butter and I want you to be able to say, Callie, leave it. 
And as she's licking it, if her head is still in the bowl, you're gonna give her reinf- you're gonna give her pressure. So the bowl is now on her side, and the leash is still draped over, uh, or your hand is over the um, the X pen, and you're gonna correct her and give her pressure if she doesn't leave it. And the goal is is when you say leave it, she recluses away from the bowl, she lifts her head up, and she may stare at the bowl, and then as soon as she looks at you for permission, you you say break and you give her right back. So this is a way to start modifying her resource guarding altogether to eliminate it hopefully forever because basically what you're doing is you're taking that high reward food because here's it's the same thing as the toy that I was talking about a lot of people say leave it or they say out or they say drop and then they don't give it back which creates more frustration which creates more drive for the the object okay does that make sense yeah, that makes sense. So then I guess on at that point, the food would be in there with her. But prior to with the impulse control where you said like to move it close to her and far away, is that going to be all on the outside of the pen? Yeah, you can. Um, so in regards to moving the food away and mm-hmm. and recalling her away from the food, that scenario, it, it, I was saying like you can skip that set step if you feel like she's already right. recalling away from the food already. So what you would do is you would put the, you can just kick the bowl away from you. You would do a sit stay. So she's next to you on a sit stay. She's on one side of the pen. You're on the other. Your, 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 your legs are matched up with hers, but the food bowl is on your side. And all you do is you kick that food bowl 10 feet, five feet away from you. And then you say, okay, Kelly break. She goes and gets it. And then you recall her as she's eating the food. But it sounded to me that you already got that mastered. She's already doing well at that. So I was just saying, like, you can skip that step and go right to the peanut butter on her side. So then you would take the peanut butter, you smear it on the bottom, you'd put the bowl on her side, and then you would work on leave it, which means when you say leave it, she's got to come out of that bowl and look at you for permission, and then you give it right back to her. Okay, I can do that. And that will help you start uh, taking away that resource. Because resource is basically like, you're going to take this away, this is mine, nobody else can have it. So what you do is, is you say, leave it, you give her a little bit of pressure. Here's here's what you haven't been doing as far as I understand is you haven't been giving her a safe and clear option when you say leave it. You haven't been able to give her a reinforcement in reality during that situation. Yes. So she's correct. not so she's so she's not going to do it if you don't have that um that reinforcement. And the X pen keeps you safe and the slip leash isn't that aversive, so it's fair. So you're going to be working on leave it and just a couple pops. You're not going to be pulling her. You're not going to be choking her. You're basically going to be using negative reinforcement by annoying her, by popping her on the slip. Leave it. Bang, 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 bang. She puts her head up. Break. She gets it. So in the beginning, you might want to make it really easy for her to understand the concept of what you're trying to capture. So she puts her head up. You say break. Boom. She gets it. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so nag on it basically until she looks at us. <laughs> well, you're not. Yes, I don't want to say nag. I want you to correct her with it, but you're not going to be slamming her. So, okay. so, 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 so some people take the leash and they hold the dog up and they choke the dog out and they pull the dog away. Don't do any of that. You're correcting her with the with the pops. Leave it. Bang, 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 bang on the leash. Pop, pop, pop. She puts her head out. She stops. And if it doesn't work with the slip and she ignores you and you're basically having to drag her away from the bowl, that's where you start moving to the prong collar where she's going to care more about it. Okay. So she's e- eating the peanut butter. Kelly, leave it. And you should be working on leave it out of context of this scenario. So what you could do is you can take kibble and throw it across your floor as a very early on stage of kind of reinforcing the leave it and reminding her what it is or in some cases even introducing the leave it. 
You throw kibble on the ground. You walk around. She goes for it. Leave it. Correction. Leave it. Correction. Leave it. Correction. You walk around the kibble. Good. Leave it. You walk around the kibble. Good. Leave it. You take the same type of food out of your pocket and you pay her from you at a secondary resource uh, area. So you're paying her from you instead of her getting it on the ground. I'll work more strongly with that command then since this seems to be very closely tied to the resource guarding. Correct. So you're, you're, you're working on, you could work on leave it with lower value kibble on the ground, on the leash with the slip or the prong, walking around it, working on impulse control, throwing three pieces of kibble on the ground, saying leave it, and then seeing how that goes. And then you transfer it to the peanut butter with the dish. Okay. And so, so say she gets into a scenario in the future, if you did want to start isolating, or I'm sorry, if you wanted to start rotating and blending in the treats or the um, toys back into the scenario, what you, you can then do is she gets growly or she just has a toy in general and you're like, maybe your girlfriend's like, oh, I'm kind of uncomfortable with this. You would say, Callie, you would either you would either say, Callie, come. And she would say, oh, okay, I'll come. I'll grab my toy though. She brings it over. You say, Callie, leave it. She drops the toy. You say, good, leave it. And then maybe you recall her again away from the toy. So you're really just guiding her away from the toy. You say, good, you say, good leave it, good, come. You put her into a sit stay. You go and you grab the toy and you put it away and it diffuses the whole situation. Okay. Yeah, I've just always been worried about taking whatever away from her, even if I made her drop it because i was afraid that well you that would was- you would move her away though that's the key okay. that's the key you gotta you gotta know is i don't want you and i do not suggest to call her over with you with the toy tell her to drop and then she's standing literally right next to you and then you take it you'd actually pull her away with a recall she and then if she gets to you and she's like oh i got the toy you'd say callie leave it or drop you can work on both of those she drops it and then if your obedience is good enough because leave it means you can't have it until you're released back which is what we were talking about with the peanut butter in the bowl right so when you say drop she spits it out or you say leave it she spits it out now it's in front of both of you and you walk away five to ten feet and you say callie come and she comes to you and you say callie sit now she's 10 feet away from the toy you put her in a sit stay you take the toy you take you take the bone whatever it is you put it on the refrigerator you go up and you pay her with some sort of treat and say good stay and you break her you diffuse the situation uh, okay so you're using obedience to really kind of pinocchio your way around these situations if she starts to get aggressive so i think as you work on this resource garden and you work on some of these exercises and really start to like dismantle like hey i know that you like this because because i think that the other thing is is making sure that when you say leave it and the moment she she takes her head away from the bowl as hard as it's hard for her you immediately pay her yes break and you let her go back and then over time you work on leave it okay you're going to leave it for 10 seconds break 20 seconds, break, and then you're going to work on leave it, recall, break. So you're really just controlling her just so nicely. Like I can have Lakota, my dog, Mm -hmm. recalling to me with a ball in her mouth, and I'll say out, and she'll spit it out, and she'll still come back to me. That's really nice. (laughs) Yeah, and it's just working on that isolating, you know. um, Yeah, it's just obedience. Like if your obedience is solid – then you can you can put them in a bunch of advanced stuff. So she's recalling. So I I mean with my dog, she can recall a ball back from me that I just threw to her that she's obsessed with. I can say Coda out, boom, she spits it out. I, and she's still coming back to me. She spits the ball, she drops it. It's behind her, and I can say Coda down. She downs. I can say come. She downs again, and then I can say yes and break her, and she'll turn around, spin ass back to the ball and get it and bring it back to me. But that's that's all very basic things put into a scenario. The out. 
the down and the recall, but I'm advancing them. They, they all have levels. There's levels to that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does it, <laughs> I mean, I know it takes time and stuff, but I mean, it seems for like a year and a half, I feel like, I don't know, this stuff shouldn't be happening still, I guess. Well, it depends on how much work you've been doing on your obedience because you can have a 10-year-old dog, and if you're not advancing your obedience throughout the years, it doesn't matter. That's true. People all the time bring their dogs, and they're like, my dog's a year and a half. And I'm like, I taught my dog three different languages by the time she was four months and she was competitive healing. So wow. just, it, yeah, I mean, you got to, you know, you get a professional handler, you get a Dutch shepherd. I mean, it's kind of the best of both worlds to make that happen. But my point is, is don't look at it as like, oh, a year and a half. It's like, it doesn't matter if she's in a year and a half. You got to look at the obedience you've done. If you're at level one and what I'm just talking about was level four or five, you can't say, well, I don't know why my dog still isn't there yet. It's because there's levels to get to that point. You have to graduate incrementally to get to that point. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully this stuff will start helping um, as far as regarding her possessiveness because none of the other things we have tried have been working. So this is a yeah. better foundation. Yeah, sometimes if you just if you if you almost take advantage of the resource guarding and you take advantage of the obsessed you know food drive that she has, you say leave it. She takes her head out. She looks at you kind of pissed off, but she's like, I'll do it for you. And you say break. She gets right back into it. So she's going to be more likely to recluse off of the object. If you, she knows that at one point in time, you've, you've told her to leave something and she gets paid for it again. It's like a, it's called a randomized reward system. It kind of makes the dog actually just better at what you want them to do. Cause they're like, you know, like, okay. So if I play, if I play tug with my Dutch shepherd, she's, she will break your hand or your fingers and she has before, and she's a savage. She plays hard, but it's her favorite thing to do in the world. So if I'm working with her and I say out and she sp and she drops it, and I immediately say yes, bang, and I give it right back to her, because she likes. She, so your dog likes to eat, my dog likes to play tug. So the moment I say out, and she does exactly what I want her to, and she gets paid again, break. So I say out, she spits it out. I say yes, she gets paid again. She's going to be more likely to spit it out in the future because the thing that she likes turns on again. See, because that's the thing with Callie. She's actually way more toy motivated than she is food motivated. Like if there are toys on the floor, she mm. will not go eat. She'll mm. continue playing with her toys. Even if you release her to go eat, she just goes and looks at it and then leaves. <laughs> yeah. So I, 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 I would just be working on all that stuff. It's, 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 it's kind of a, you know, it's a lot to, to, to unpack. But um, those are the things that you'll need to do to, to be successful in the beginning. Yeah, perfect. I can work on that stuff. So cool. as far as like the barking and and that goes, just don't use the collar for that type of corrective, I guess. Well, you can. Um, I mean, right now you have basically a collar that has correction, so you can use it for the barking if it makes sense. But again, you're you're teaching, so you got to work on your verbals. So you, you, I would start off with the leash in the beginning to say leave it and then correction. And then as you start to move off leash and she's starting to bark off leash, then you can use your e-collar to reinforce it. But again, your voice is what you want. Like the the reinforcer and the tool that you're using, again, should be secondary to your voice. And if it's first and that's what's overpowering things and when it's off, it doesn't work, that's where you have to rewind and reestablish your relationship with your, your verbals. So I think it's the same thing we we're talking about recalls. Like you have to go almost back down to the basics and reestablish things and then kind of move forward.
if, um, the, if the e-collar is working with the barking, you can continue to use it because I'm a big believer in what's working. I'm just saying that there's alternative ways that you can be doing the e-collar training uh, and other avenues of your training. I can do that. So I'm going to assume, though, that the best thing's going to be as far as like reducing your barking will be like exposure from far distances, I guess. And then as she gets better, move closer or how, yeah. I guess would that help with, you know, someone comes over to your house and she just starts barking and your house is only so big and you well, can get away. Yeah. That's where your place command and your recall come in too. Okay. So if somebody comes in your house and your dog is sitting there actively barking at them and you say, Kelly, come and she's like, screw you. That's a problem. So, so the, so at that point, the barking isn't the problem. Your, your obedience to counter the barking is the problem because you can't shut it off. Okay. Or, yeah, her or if you, has been like, oh, sorry. No, I was just gonna say, or your place command, like sending her to a, to a uh, isolated target as well. I was just gonna say, she actually, when we send her to place, she sits in place and barks well, that, at. Yep. And then it would, and then at that point, it would be leave it for barking. Okay. So, so that's sure. what I mean is you have to be able to turn these things off individually if your dog, you know, that, I mean they're all different separate things. So sometimes just sending your dog to a place deactivates the barking, and sometimes it doesn't for some dogs. So if your dog is healing and barking, then you wouldn't be using heal to counter it. You'd be using leave it because your dog is actively continuing to bark. Okay, so I'll use leave it for that, and then same thing. If she has the leash on or if she has the e-collar on, if she doesn't listen to the leave it command, I would reinforce with the collar. or leash. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, alrighty. It was a pleasure talking to you and meeting you, and uh, I wish you the best of luck moving forward. Yeah, thank you so much. You have a great day. All right, you too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, you guys, we've reached the end of the podcast, and I'm going to answer three of your dog training questions. If you want me to answer your specific dog training questions here on the podcast, all you have to do is go over to the iTunes review column and leave a review and leave your question in the review. Unfortunately, I don't think Spotify gives you an opportunity to leave a review uh, in in text, but you can leave a review if you're listening to this on Spotify by just leaving a star or five. So here we go. All day seven. Love the podcast and vids. Your ideology, a way of explaining things has helped me so much with my dog, and I'm also part of the No Bad Dogs Members Club, and I want to let everyone know it's so worth it, and it's awesome content. Thank you so much. I'm currently off-leash training with my dog, and I have your 280C with the, with the recently graduated from a 15-foot to a 30-foot. At what point do you know when it's okay to be off-leash? Good question. So when you're basically you, you have to go out and trust your instinct and trust your gut. Um, I, I think once you get to the 30 foot long line, you should be recalling your dog five times in about 15 minutes. And if your dog responds every time and you're rewarding your dog and they have fun with recalling, um, that's when you can start really letting go of the leash. My suggestion to you is to make sure that you have the 30 foot long line with a distraction on a recall first if you're successful with the recall and getting your dog back to you with that heavier distraction, like a squirrel or another dog or something like that in the trails, um, once they've proven to you that they'll come back, then you're ready to go. And it sounds like it said to you that you have my e-collar, um, which is good. So all you would do is you'd preset your boost to a level that would actually give your dog some pressure or a correction for non-compliance to make sure that your dog is safe and not running away. Um, and once you've mastered that, uh, you're ready to start playing it out. See how it goes. All right. Next question is from Lizzie. Oh, Z. 
Hi, I love the podcast. I'm usually a visual learner, but you're a fantastic communicator and a great advocate for balanced dog training. Thank you so much. I have an 11-month-old pointer English setter mix who loves other dogs but acted like a psycho on leash. It's it's really hard to find a true balanced dog trainer around here. It's either purely positive or not positive enough. And thanks to your videos and the podcast, the reactivity is 100% gone. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, It's really amazing. I'm really happy to hear that. Uh, Okay, moving on to the question. I want to start an e-collar. I'm sorry, guys. I'm a little distracted. Uh, My sister, I just, uh, my sister came over because she's not feeling well. So I packed her a lunch and I packed her some soup and I packed her some hydration stuff and I packed her a COVID test. And she's at my house, uh, and I can watch her pick it up out of my mailbox. So that was funny because she doesn't know I can see her. All right, question. Sorry. I want to start e-collar training so she can have some off-leash freedom. After she's conditioned in a positive way, can I also use it as a corrective for unwanted behaviors? And would that be a higher stimulation setting or pager? For example, enforcing a leave it for things like excessive barking at the window or digging in the yard. Bonus question. I've heard some people say that dogs can become e-collar aware um, and the prong collar aware, meaning they only listen to them when it's on. So the answer is yes. You can use the e-collar. I have a couple different other podcasts regarding the e-collar and some videos on how to introduce it. Um, And so you definitely can use the, once your dog is conditioned, so the pager or the vibrate is like that, oh crap button. That's going to be the button that you're like, absolutely never do. Um, and you can use that, but just be use it will, uh, willingly, use it sparingly because you don't want to use it for things that you kind of don't like because it is pretty aversive to most dogs. Um, so you can use the higher level stim once your dog is conditioned on the low stim and they know what it is. And then as far as becoming collar aware, just make sure that if you're training with your dog with the remote collar that you put it on a couple weeks and not turn it on before you actually start training. So thank you, Lizzie, for the... Uh, insane review and feedback. It's it's amazing. Um, I appreciate anybody out there that spends the time to tell me how much I've helped them and their dog. And the fact that you had a reactive dog and there's not any reactivity anymore is, is amazing. So I'm very happy for you and thank you for the feedback and information. All right. Meme 96. Hi, Tom. I'm a huge fan. If I thought I love animal behavior and psychology before, you have opened my eyes in a completely different way of learning. Your videos are so helpful to me and my three pities. I've also become the VIP members club recently. So thank you so much for all you do. Well, thank you so much, Meme 96 or Mem 96. Um, so we have another, that, that wasn't a question. So I'm just going to choose another one. Hi there, great podcast. Thank you for a great content. Prong collars were never even a thought until I came across your content and actually learned about them. Something I, th- something I thought looked so bad is actually a lot safer. Question, for a dog reactive dog, when walking at the park, I am able to create the amount of distance by walking alongside the path and the path is wide enough for cars. When a dog passes, I can regain her focus and even take her to soak and she does great. But I can't seem to get close to the gap and I feel as though I have plateaued in our distance threshold with our dogs how can i transition from walking alongside the path i think i've answered this before eh maybe i haven't um so when you're i mean the 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 best thing to do is to just continue to work on your handling so the question is is how do you get further or i'm sorry how do you get closer to the distraction it seems like um you have a very large path and you feel like you've plateaued in our distance thresholds with other dogs 
and you really just have to get around the right dogs as well. Um, I think that that's the most important thing is you have to get around the right dogs. If you have another dog that's overly reactive or just as reactive as your dog, it's going to be very challenging for you to be successful. So you're going to have to make sure that you kind of you integrate closer to other dogs that are going to help you be successful. And and sometimes you can't always choose. So if you see a dog that is reactive, I would keep your distance. And if you see a dog that's calmer or neutral, I would get closer. But again, like you have to make sure that you, when you're out, you're changing directions, you're working on your handling, you're tightening things up. You have external uh, motivators like a ball or food or a tug. Um, and you just get closer by by doing it. I mean, you just start to get closer. I mean, one thing that's really helped a, a lot of dogs that I've worked with is the drawback recall. So you come out, your dog sees another dog, and then you draw back and you say, come, and the dog comes to you and then you pay him and then you you kind of walk past him again. So you almost make this cat and mouse game. You go out, you come back, you go out, you come back. And you can slowly kind of push over towards the other dog and make it very positive. And maybe you fast your dog to where they're super motivated by food and they're very excited about the food. And when you go out, they're stuck on you like glue. That will give you a great opportunity to get closer to the other dogs as well um, to just create more motivation. Um, I'm trying to give you some opportunities to get away from some of the compulsion and, and, and corrective stuff um, first, and so work on that. Um, and that would be my that would be my suggestion for you is to just get creative with your handling and, and create more of a cat and mouse target game and a calibration around the other dogs. All right, you guys, those are the three questions. Thank you so much for answering. I'll get the three more next time. Remember, if you want me to answer your questions, just go over to the iTunes. Uh, podcast review page, leave your review and your question within the review, and I would appreciate it. And I'll answer your question next time. Thanks for listening. Bye. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca Cola, Pepsi, or 7 Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.